This is Mike Corey from ESPN, and you're listening to the Sports Objective Podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. Welcome into the Sports Objective Podcast, uh, coming to you with an impromptu version here this afternoon. Uh, later on tonight, we have the inside slant as we will take a look at week four of college football. And one of our guests on that show was going to be John Laser, but he was nice enough to work out uh, his schedule where he can join us now in advance. And welcome into the program, the play-by-play voice uh, of the Virginia Tech Cokies. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing well, John. Uh Hokies uh, open up the season tomorrow with NC State. Uh, so first of all, talk about how uh, dealing with COVID has been for the Hokies. Everything keeps being delayed and pushed back and rescheduled and everything else. Yeah, I think saying it's been frustrating would be an understatement for Justin Fuente's staff and, and in particular the players. I've never quite seen them so exasperated in terms of their level of fatigue at this stage of the season and that's due in large part to the fact that things were going great for the first couple of months the guys were on campus june july and even into august but unfortunately when the students came back the virus came with them uh, and unfortunately infected a, a number of people in the program and that has made preparing for football at this level extremely difficult to the point of impossible last week and nearly impossible this week so We're all very eager and interested to see what condition, more than anything, Virginia Tech's going to be in tomorrow night when they take on NC State because there have certainly been primary players on this football team who have been affected in terms of being quarantined or contact traced uh, and have not been able to practice leading up to this game. So it's going to have to be a collective effort, but the lead-up has certainly been very difficult. Are you guys still without anybody? Do you have everybody back at this point or – or are there still some guys that are going to miss playing time? Quite honestly, it's an hour-by-hour hour deal at this point because guys have been matriculating back from their isolation and or quarantine over the course of the last three or four days. So at this point, I think they're expecting to be pretty whole on the defensive side of the ball. There will be a couple of guys on the offensive side that I don't believe will be available uh, without getting into specifics. And I think the bigger issue is not necessarily of having them at all. It's, again, their readiness to play and how well they've been able to prepare themselves individually, physically, but also in terms of the game plan, whatever that may be, against NC State. So it's definitely not going to be Virginia Tech at 100%, and the hope is that the collective will of whatever percent it is is enough to overcome a very formidable football team that looked uh, very seasoned last year and, and much improved from a year ago. John, taking a look at NC State last week, won that shootout against Wake Forest, a terrific ball game at Carter-Finley Stadium, 45-42. Um, so what stood out to you uh, about the Wolfpack in that one, and uh, what are your thoughts in general uh, about this matchup on uh, or tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow night, I should say? 
I think you couldn't come away from that game and not be impressed with the running game that their first-year coordinator, Tim Beck, put in and the personnel that he has to orchestrate that running game. Their offensive line is big, very physical, was able to move the line quite a bit. Not only were they able to protect Bailey Hockman, but they were able to run the ball where they wanted, whether that be through the tackles or whether that be to the perimeter. And then you look at the fact that they clearly have three very capable backs in Ricky Person, who winds up being the conference's running back of the week, but Bam Knight, who got them going, Zonovan Bam Knight, who got them going and ignited them in the first quarter, and then Jordan Houston, who's certainly more than a change of pace back, and all three of those guys are capable of catching the football out of the backfield. Nine of the 17 uh, completions for Hockman were two running backs in that game, so that's a focal point, obviously, of the defense. It's going to be a challenge for Virginia Tech to try to disrupt things in the backfield, whether it's the running game or whether it's to make Bailey Hockman more uncomfortable uh, than Wake Forest was able to a week ago. On the defensive side, I think the numbers are a little bit misleading. Wake Forest, of course, able to put up 42 points. But six sacks in the game for NC State. The front three played very well. The linebackers played very well. Uh, and it was very interesting how Wake Forest was able to take advantage of some of the opportunities. And I think that Virginia Tech's going to have to replicate some of what the Demon Deacons did in terms of big playability in this game to take big shots when they have to because from a sustainment standpoint, right now clearly NC State is probably the more physically ready team on both sides of the line. Talking about the Hokies and uh, their offense, uh, wh- who are some of the key players for Virginia Tech this year that uh, the nation needs to be watching? Well, I mentioned NC State's offensive line, and Virginia Tech feels very good about their offensive line, too. They feel like they have two phenomenal tackles, and Luke Tenuta on the right side and Christian Darrisaw on the left side, and Tenuta even, they feel confident moving to the left side if for whatever reason Darrisaw can't play the entire game. They get Brock Hoffman eligible. He was a Coastal Carolina transfer at center uh, that gained a lot of publicity last year because the NCAA denied his appeal. He's going to be a huge piece of it in the middle. And then you have the true freshman last year on the offensive line that played and played very well, Brian Hudson and Doug Nestor, who both figured a factor into your plans up front as well. And the reason I start there is because I think that's where the offense is going to start. You're going to see a lot of Braxton Burmeister throughout the course of this season. He's a kid that transferred from Oregon, sat last year. A lot of people have forgotten about him, but he can really sling the football. So if he's well protected and he has a ground game, which he should with some other newcomers, Khalil Herbert, and also kind of a slot back in Raheem Blackshear, you feel like you have a very diversified offense that can put some points on the board you feel great about your tight ends you feel good about your receivers led by James Mitchell and Trey Turner respectively and then on the defensive side of the ball you don't have a lot of newcomers Justice Reed at defensive end uh, joins a very experienced front eight I would call it I think Virginia Tech has the best linebacker trio in the ACC led by Rayshard Ashby in the middle Dax Hollifield and Alan Tisdale secondary is going to be the issue and shouldn't have been of course Caleb Farley opted out Uh, He'll be a first-round draft pick in the NFL next year. Was going to anchor one of your corner spots. And Jermaine Waller has been a little nicked up through camp as well. And then you unfortunately had a situation with starting safety Devin Hunter legally last week. So those are some question marks for Tech on the back end. Uh, But all in all, this is a pretty experienced team that adds some more versatile weapons on the offensive side. What about special teams for the Huggies for years? Obviously, when Beamer was there, uh, people thought about Virginia Tech. They thought about special teams. 
Yeah, they have everybody back essentially in the kick game. Uh, Oscar Bradburn, who was a Ray Guy semifinalist last year, is back. Australian bred. Uh, he's phenomenal at flipping field position. He's phenomenal at pinning people deep. Feel very really good about him. Brian Johnson last year had his struggles in terms of place kicking. Right up until that six overtime game against North Carolina, he misfired twice. Uh, in the overtime sessions against UNC and then hasn't missed since. He's made 12 straight coming in. He's looked very good in camp. And again, an experienced guy. You have your long snapper back in Oscar Shadley. You return your punt returner in Tavion Robinson, who is the most exciting returner that you've had since Greg Stroman three years ago. Kick return is the spot where you don't know the answer quite yet. And I think they're going to audition a number of guys back there, probably starting with Keyshawn King and Raheem Blackshear. John, a moment ago we were talking about the defensive side of the ball and you were talking about some of the personnel. Um, tell us about the transition at coordinator. Um, Virginia Tech legend Bud Foster, um, just known as one of the best defensive coordinators in the game. Uh, so just talk about uh, how that has gone and um, the hire that the Hokies made. It's gone really well for Bud Foster. He's enjoyed quarantine out at his lake house. We hang out socially sometimes, and he's doing quite well uh, with his beautiful wife and having a blast. It's also gone as well as you could, I think, through this COVID period for Justin Hamilton. You talk a guy, talk about a guy who's basically had every challenge you can imagine as a football coach thrown at him in the biggest role he's ever undertaken. One, following Bud Foster, which is a huge task, then trying to navigate uh, doing everything virtually for a number of months, then coming back and having the defensive side of the ball affected by the coronavirus, and then not knowing which coaches may be available on that side of the ball going into things tomorrow night. With all of that said, I expect the defense to play very well because I think Justin Hamilton is really a star in the making in the coaching profession. I don't think you'll see a ton of differences in terms of scheme and technique from this lunch pail defense, as it's known at Virginia Tech. I, I, the one thing that Ham has told me is that he plans to still be aggressive. Bud Foster was known, of course, for really trying to apply pressure, and that usually meant sending extra blitzers, sending linebackers, sending safety, sending corners, and oftentimes on the back end, that would lead to big plays if that wasn't successful. And I think that Justin Hamilton wants to continue to apply pressure, but wants to do it in a little bit more of a controlled fashion. So I don't think you'll see quite as much gambling from Virginia Tech on defense this year. Yeah. Uh, what would your, uh, if you're prepared for this, what would your keys be for victory for the Hoagies? Well, you got to show up. We got to get to the game and get through today's round of testing. And I wish I was kidding, but there's everyone's kind of got an eye on that. And, and then you have to see who you have and, and what they have in the tank. And I think Justin Fuente will do a really good job in terms of recognizing how much and how often guys can play in this football game and crafting a plan around that. He's been pretty coy in terms of talking about that. I think he's downplayed expectations. Virginia Tech has to control this game offensively, and this is the oldest cliche in the book, but they've got to control things on the offensive line. If they're not able to do that and they're not able to run the football, it's going to be very difficult, I think, to spread the ball the way that they want to. On the defensive side, you have to create a situation where Bailey Hockman has to beat you with his arm and it's not necessarily a case where he can't uh, he just hasn't really been asked to throw the football down the field too much in his short time 
at NC State and Wake Forest was not able to do that. I mentioned the success that three running backs uh, had had a week ago. So you've got to not necessarily take those guys away, but you have to limit their success, particularly on early downs, to create some third and long situations for Hockman to have to throw the football. And I think those are the biggest keys. I think this is going to be a great game, honestly, between two very quality teams. Uh, I mentioned Virginia Tech special teams. I didn't mention NC State's. Theirs rival Virginia Tech's in terms of experience and ability in their kick game. And honestly, this might be a game that comes down to that. Yeah, and one last thing for me. I don't know if Bob has anything else, but uh, did it surprise you at all with, with all the COVID problems that Virginia Tech has had and the way NC State looked on offense to see the Hokies as, as much as a seven-point favorite? Yeah, and they opened as an 11-point favorite, and I think that oh, just wow. – and it's down to seven. You're right, uh, because the news trickling out of here that Virginia Tech might not have a full roster and some of the breaks that Justin Fuente has pumped uh, during his media sessions throughout the course of the week. I was surprised, but I think that just uh, indicates that in these very rare, very unique circumstances, you just can't you just can't talk about the medical situation from a legal standpoint with what's happening. And that probably indicates that the wise guys in this point at this point, who I generally trust aren't all that wise in terms of what the actual situation may be. So to your question, Kyle, yeah, I I was a little bit surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't lay any money down on a game until Saturday morning. (laughs) John, 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 two things as we wrap this up. Uh, one, what would the capacity be tomorrow night at Lane Stadium in terms of uh, Hokie fans being able to attend? And then um, very quickly after that, and just tell us what the Hokies have coming up. Yeah, the capacity is set by the governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam. He's set it at 1,000 for outdoor events right now, so that's what it's going to be. Uh, and essentially, Virginia Tech did not sell any tickets to this game. It's all pass-out tickets to the family members and friends or whoever the team will use with the allotment that they get, and then likewise for NC State. So whatever home field advantage you would have had, even with 1,000 fans, you won't because you're required, of course, to provide a certain percentage of those to the Wolfpack. So it's going to be as quiet as NC, or excuse me, as Lane Stadium has ever been. Uh, it's going to be very surreal. And following this, the Hokies have back-to-back games down in Carolina. They take on Duke next week and then North Carolina the week following. And what we have all been looking to for months is kind of a marquee matchup. Yeah, and it's funny you uh, you talk about attendance. Just a note from, from us North Carolina schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we sit here this weekend, family only, 350 fans. But then next weekend, once October rolls around, we can have 7% capacity, which would be 3,500 at East Carolina. It makes no <laughs> sense to me. But anyway. Well, yep, every governor's press conference on Monday, we're uh, eagerly awaiting to see if that number goes up, but uh, it hasn't yet. John, we appreciate the visit, and we, we would um, certainly love to have you back on the show down the road uh, as Virginia Tech progresses throughout the 2020 season, and have an excellent call tomorrow night. I appreciate it, guys. Always a good time being with you. Sorry to have to reschedule on you, and sorry you're doing this from a bus, Bubba. You're a, you're a man of many hats. <laughs> thank you. Thank Thanks, you so John. much. Take care. John Laser for coming on the show. Uh, he had a speaking engagement dumped on him at the last moment uh, by the administration, just one of those things, but was nice enough to reach out to us and say that he could come on earlier. And I really enjoyed that conversation with him talking about tomorrow night's game between Virginia Tech and NC State, a game in which the Hokies are a touchdown favorite uh, in Blacksburg. Hopefully that game will be able to to get played. And um, 
and we'll see how it goes in Lane Stadium tomorrow night, uh, 7 o'clock kickoff on the ACC Network. Uh, we look forward to having John back on uh, later in the season. Uh, remember, follow us on Twitter, the Sports OBJ, on Instagram at the Sports Objective. Like and follow us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, for my co-host, Kyle Barber, I'm Bubba Rosenbaum, and you have been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast.